Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Wednesday, December 8th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and alongside me, as always, having a little computer problems this morning. It's Tass Mellis. Yeah, I'm saving power right now. I don't have a battery source, so you guys are a little darker right now. We're still looking good. Okay. Well, we're happy to have you. Got our Top Shot Hot Boy, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. The international man of mystery, taking it to the Max Lielis. Friends. Mm. Last, certainly not least, making the magic happen, super producer JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are on a Wednesday. Shout out to the stream team for joining us live right now on YouTube. Again, apologies for starting a little later than normal. Take a second, though. Subscribe, like, comment, share the show, and go grab your No Dunks merch. Just in time for the holiday rush here over at nodunks.com. It's perfect because we have a Pacers No Dunk shirt, and we're talking about the Pacers on today's show. <laughs> That's right, we'll get to that in a second. Also have that beautiful classic factory t-shirt, hoodie. Oh, go to nodunks.com. Get all your gear. Make sure you check out yesterday's emergency no-breaks episode. Emergency no-breaks? I like that. Yeah, that's really funny. Uh, Trey and Graydon, they discussed all the drama from the Saudi Arabian GP, and then they set up the final race of the season. Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, all tied up in the Drivers' Championship. Sunday, what time? Early race or later? What are we looking at, TK? 8 a.m., lights out, and away we go. 8 a.m. Eastern. If I'm not mistaken, the race is on ESPN2, as it usually is. So, yeah. 8 a.m., we figure maybe it'll be done by 11. Who knows what goes down with all these red flags and yellow flags, but probably 11.30-ish. We will be starting live on Sunday. Okay, so yes, a special edition of No Breaks following the final race of the season. Um, Like Trey said, Sunday, let's call it around noon Eastern or so. Just make sure you subscribe to No Dunks here on YouTube, and then you'll know when they're live. Uh, Later today, also in this feed, new Top Shot Hot Boys. Yeah, let's rip some packs. TK and I have been sitting on some. We'll give away some moments. So if you're a Top Shot Hot Boy or girl, join us at 3 p.m. Eastern again. Right here on the YouTubes. Okay, we're going to get to last night's games. We're going to hit the beach for a little beach step in. You guys sent in some great questions. I really like this batch of questions we have on today's show. They're really fun. But let's start with some news because, Tass, the Indiana Pacers, they have a simple message this holiday season. Hit us up. Uh, Sources told the Athletics, (laughs) Sham Sharanya and Bob Kravitz, that the Pacers have decided to rebuild after a very slow 10-16 and 16 start. Sabonis, Turner, and Lavert They're all on the trade block here, apparently, uh, with about two months to go until the February 10th 
trade deadline. So yeah, what was your reaction to this um, article on The Athletic yesterday, Tess? <sighs> excited for everybody. Excited for basketball fans. It's like Christmas. I mean, we all love our transactions. Now we have the possibility of three big players moving. It's Christmas for every single GM in the league. Yeah, you can put out your little fantasy trades. This is a possibility of you getting back a, a good player. And I think it's a great sign for the Indiana Pacers fans as well. I understand it, it could seem like, you know, sad times we're blowing this thing up, but it isn't working. It's just not. Uh, these guys are uh, extremely talented players that we're talking about here, whether it's Levo Levert, Sabonis, and Turner. I don't see them all moving, but I also don't think this is just a, a rumor out there if all these guys are potentially on the trade block. And I think you have to do it. They're good players. They had a, an all-star the last two seasons. And what is their ceiling? They were a play-in tournament last year. They're five games under 500 this year. They're dead last in attendance. Swaths. Uh, what is basketball country in their arena just empty right now? Although technically the Pistons should be last in attendance. But anyways, <laughs> there's technicalities out there. But anyways, this kind of reminds swaths. me of the Pistons with uh, swaths. Uh, you know, I, I saw uh, Eric Kareen. The Raptors were there and he said swaths. There's, there's <laughs> sections of the Pacers arena. Bankers Life Fieldhouse or whatever they call it when they they change names all the time. It's just empty. And and so you've got an all-star the last year. Uh, and and where are you going from here? Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, TJ Warren's health isn't good. I, I just think it's, it's time to tear it down. It reminds me, actually, bringing up the Pistons, reminds me kind of like Blake Griffin uh, a couple of years ago when they made the eighth seed with him as an all-star. And that was their ceiling. And you've got an all-star in Sabonis. And this is your ceiling? Well, it's probably time to feature, you know, one of these guys a little bit more because I don't think they're all going but if you know if Sabonis goes then Lavert is featured more or, or or something just to change the chemistry there mm -hmm. it's kind of like the magic tearing it down with with Vucevic as their best player uh, with their ceiling at an eight seed so I, I think this is is good for everybody tear it down to hopefully get back up and look at look at the magic look at the Pistons I, I know the Pistons only have four wins but at least there's some hope there the magic made a great trade with the Chicago Bulls to get multiple first round picks it turned into Franz Wagner and Wendell Carter Jr and they still got a pick on the horizon I mean there's hope there right now with the with the Pacers uh, the, the, their greatest hope is to go to nodunks.com and buy a t-shirt. I mean, really, what are they looking at here? I, I don't think it's, 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 it's all that promising, even though I'm a Malcolm Brogdon fan. I mean, I, it just, it's not all coming together. And sometimes you just can't do the same thing over and over. Lee, have you fired up the trade machine? I know we went through the Blazers yesterday and I hit you with a million trades of trying to move McCollum and Nurkic and Covington. Have you done the same with the Pacers here? Have you had Karis LeVert and Turner and Sabonis in deals? Or do you have at least teams in mind that you could see them possibly going to as a landing spot? Well, I think uh, one of the teams we talked about a lot yesterday is the Charlotte Hornets. I think mm -hmm. they could absolutely use either one of Sabonis or Turner. Now, they're different players. I mean, Turner spreads the floor probably a little bit more. Sabonis can hit the three as well, but then Turner gives you a little bit more rim protection. Maybe Sabonis is a bit more of a physical defender, but I think if the, if the Hornets can get involved... They really should. And as we also talked about yesterday, you know, obviously you're not going to give up LaMelo Ball or Bridges, but I would say anybody else, including Gordon Hayward, should be included if uh, there's any interest there. I'm not sure how much interest there would be for a Gordon Hayward, but certainly for some of the Hornets' younger players and prospects, if uh, if you are going for the full rebu rebuild in Indiana, that's what they should uh, certainly be prepared to give up if you're the Hornets because Charlotte is not a championship contender right now, 
but they need to be at least making the moves to show that they're going to be better than just a play-in team and certainly that they have hopes of going further than just the first round of the playoffs. I think that's kind of what their ceiling is right now. So that's the team I think would uh, certainly be interested. They don't have a ton of really strong assets to give up, but if you can somehow get those first-round picks included in the deal, maybe the pace is bite on that. But what I would also be, what I'm also going to be monitoring closely now, if this is true, and I'm certainly not disputing the reporting there, but are we going to see the paces now maybe, oh, Miles Turner's got a hamstring strain. He's out for five games. You know, DeMontis Sabonis is out. Are they going to start resting these guys? Because, of course, if they were to pick up an injury, that could change the, uh, you know, change how they get looked at as far as trade partners. So that would mm-hmm. be interesting to monitor that. But uh, 10 and 16, yeah, the paces, they're a decent team. Not a great team, and it certainly feels like they're just on that uh, treadmill of mediocrity where they can probably make the playoffs, but they're certainly not a contender the way they're built right now. Yeah, Trey, I know we've talked about this a couple times already, but who are the Pacers receiving more phone calls regarding here, uh, you know, last night and today and moving forward? Like, are are other GMs more interested in Miles Turner, more interested in Sabonis being an all-star? Uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's unlikely with LeVert, but what do you think? I mean, I guess it all comes down to which team you're talking about. Like Lee is saying, if you're the Hornets, probably Miles Turner is the most interesting, right? Because he just yeah. is a simple plug-and-play, rim defender, three-point shooter. There you go. Whereas if you're bringing in Sabonis, uh, there seems to have been a little bit of a mis. Or a communication or a disconnect with him and Rick Carlisle where they're actually not using him quite as much as they have been in the past few years. Sabonis is a guy who is his, at his best with his ball in the hands. You got to fit your system around him a little bit more. I think he's a better player than Miles Turner, but if that's the case, you're having to sort of navigate things a little bit more bringing in Sabonis. It's more of a change to your team than just adding a plug and play piece like Miles Turner Uh, But Tess is right. Both of these, or all three of these guys are really pretty solid players. Sabonis, Turner, and Levert. GMs might not have been asking for DeMontis Sabonis for Christmas, but if you open a DeMontis Sabonis on Christmas, you're going to be happy, right? It's like (laughs) like you're a grown-up. When you're a kid, you don't want socks. But then when you're 30 years old and you start getting socks, you're like, nice, now I don't have to spend my own money on socks. This is found (laughs) socks. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I'm fascinated to see who draws more interest because you're right, it depends on the team. But I think overall, I think more calls would be coming in for Miles Turner. I, I really do. Just being sort of that elite defensive rim protector that can stretch the floor and, and hit, what, 39% of his threes this year? I mean, he's hitting them at a decent clip, and he shoots a, a fair number for a guy that's seven feet tall. Um, you know, could the Lakers be interested in him? I think they would be. I'm not sure they'd have enough to send back to entice the the Pacers. The Raptors, desperate need of a center uh, task. You know, is there is there a move to be made there? The Mavericks, I think, make a little bit of sense. He's a Texas boy. And we've talked before about the Warriors, either Sabonis or Turner, as sort of like another big for a championship push here. And what would that take? Is it Wiseman? Is it a Moody or a Kaminga, like one of your really like promising, uh, you know, prospects there? And that's those guys or those names, at least, eh, probably better than what the Hornets young guys are, right? Like you're saying, Lee, it would take Plumley for salary matching reasons to get like a Turner, but then you've got to throw in. It has to be like a Book Knight or a Kai Jones or a Thor or, you know, maybe even a PJ Washington. You like a Chevy Trax in Indiana? I'm not sure. So <laughs> I just think going back, I think you're like, if the Warriors were like serious about trying to get one of these big guys, I think they can put together a very, very enticing package to try and get Charlotte to move one of them, be it a, a Miles Turner 
or a Sabonis. And oh, I, uh, I agree. Yeah. I agree that I think that the Warriors have better assets in that sense for yeah. sure. I, I think if Wiseman, if you can get Wiseman and Kaminga, I think you probably you got the conversation started there. With so. the uh, with with the Hornets, so uh, that's also yeah, exactly. That oh, sorry with the with the Pacers, there. but that is what the Hornets are facing here. They don't have obviously they're two better players. They're not going to trade those. No. So then they're trying to sort of put some assets together. Probably be a third team have to be involved there somehow as well to make it happen. Yeah, I also saw Eric Pincus in writing about Sabonis. The Thunder, very patient team, Tass. But they certainly have enough assets if they wanted to to make a play for, for Sabonis. And I, I don't think that's that far-fetched. I mean, they, Bring it back, they, baby. They have a million draft picks. Uh, you know, they've got some prospects in like Apoku and Baisley and Maladon. Like, there's, there's maybe something there. Um, just from OKC side of things, yeah, would they ever consider bringing him back here for a deal? Like, he's only 25 years old. It's not like he's in his 30s here. You pair him with SGA and, and, and Dort and a couple other pieces, like they might have something going there or they just continue to sit on these picks and try and accumulate more and, and wait for a bigger name. Mm, sorry, Thunder. You don't deserve him. No, no. <laughs> uh, you're not getting him right now. No? You are not getting your Christmas Sabonis at this point. No, no, I don't think so. I, I think what the Pacers have done, though, is it's kind of smart. I mean, we're, we're talking about guys who are surprisingly, yeah, in their primes, all three of them. Uh, maybe because Miles Turner has a really deep voice and we had him on the show and maybe he seems like he's a lot older, but he didn't seem like he's 25 to me. Uh, Sabonis, same thing. You know, Maybe because he's already a two-time All-Star, you'd think... He's a little bit older, but yeah. no, uh, Karis LeVert, uh, at same, I guess his stock, like you're, you're implying that his stock is the lowest Skeets. I, I guess it so. is yeah. uh, because of uh, uh, where he's come from, the injury. Uh, sure. Um, but I, I think you could talk yourself into him being uh, a huge scoring guard uh, for your future. And, and so what I think is the Pacers have opened up uh, uh, the table to everybody, and I think they're going to get some good offers. I, I think they're, they've, they're, they're saying to everybody, these, these guys are like not quite out of your league, but they're really good. So mm-hmm. I'm going to lead you on a little bit and make you think that you can attain them. And so I think people will be bidding against each other. I don't think the Lakers have the assets uh, to go get well, the Lakers Miles are Turner. always screwed because they have three guys that make like $30 million, and then everybody else makes nothing except like – Taylor Horton Tucker. He's like the only sort of, call it a normal yeah. uh, salary. And so he would have to be almost involved in any sort of deal to try and get these guys. But I'm with they're you. Screwed. Like, it's very difficult for them to come up with a trade. I think their future is Kelly Olenek. Every single time I look around the league, <laughs> I could see them looking for a stretch five. I could see Kelly Olenek and LeBron playing together. Wow. LeBron respects Kelly Olenek because <laughs> he pulled out Kevin Love's shoulder once upon a time when they were teammates. Uh, I think that's... If I asked for a bonus and gotten Olenek, then I would be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, that's like Terrible me asking Christmas. for a yeah. Nintendo game and getting boots at Christmas. Uh, <laughs> like, great, yeah. thanks, Mom. Yeah. Or yeah, me asking for the Green Day album uh, and then getting the original Green Day album mm. that no one really wanted. Uh, yeah, can, we just saw the Mavs uh, last night. Uh, they need a, they need a, a guard. Um, I don't have a good Green Day reference here, but what about Karis yeah. Levert? Somehow, some way, I know there's just yeah. every guard looks good beside Luka Doncic because they need everybody. But I don't know what even what that package is for for Karis Levert. But I'm a believer in him, and if you could buy low at this point, 
And just to, to if you if you give him a role, you give him an opportunity to shine. I think he'll shine. I think yeah, maybe maybe he's not not unwrapping Sabonis. Maybe he's not even unwrapping Turner. But I think yeah, that's a pretty good present right there. Uh, I w- the only thing I push back on that is you're looking for shooters around Luka Doncic. Uh, as we'll get to their game last night, they got some guys struggling from three point distance. So is Karis LeVert. <laughs> he's, uh, he's not a great three-point shooter. He's brutal this year. He just can't hit one, and he hasn't been great over the last couple of years. So, you know, as a secondary sort of playmaker, take a, take a little bit of the load off Luka, sure, that, that makes sense, Tess. And I think he can be had for a decent deal here, too. I don't think it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get him. That's the thing, Lee, with all three of these Pacers guys. They're, they're movable contracts because we're not oh, yeah. talking huge, huge money with uh, – any of the three. So something is very likely going to happen here. I just wonder what direction Indiana is going. Because this is the first time in basically forever they've got uh, you know the okay from their owner, Herb Simon, to be like, okay, yeah, let's, let's rebuild. Like you guys said, nobody's coming to our games. There's no excitement here. We're, we're not bad enough to get a high draft pick. We're not good enough to do anything in the playoffs. So, okay, let's move some of these guys. But does that mean like, all right, we're bottoming out. Give us a million draft picks. You know, let's get a monopoly on those. Or is it trying to get some players back that can keep them, you know, competitive? Because in theory, at the end of all this, like in a perfect world, Lavert's going to be traded for something. And then either Sabonis or Turner. I don't think they're moving both of them. So you're still going to have one of those guys, good player, and still Brogdon, Taz, great player. Mm-hmm. And then whatever comes back, you might still have a decent team that maybe fits better with Rick Carlisle's vision is the other thing. Well, and also in that article, Herb Simon apparently has always said, I want to just have a competitive team out on the court. He's never sort of pulled the plug. So you expect in that sense that they want, I think, prospects, but they're also not prepared to just completely mail in this season. And I just wonder with Karis LeVert, I wonder if he has reached that point where it's like, perhaps we overrated him a little. You know, I, I think he was good there in Brooklyn, you know, and then he got traded and it was like, oh, he's going to be good. And he just hasn't quite lived up to it. He certainly had a few injuries uh, issues there as well. But I wonder if he is perhaps just a little, uh, we, we think of him as perhaps a better player than his because not a great three-point shooter. He can score, but he's also not a great distributor of the ball as well. So he's, he's a little uh, less dimensional than I think we consider him to be. We just sort of think, oh, he's a good player, but maybe he's not quite as good as we think. Well, I hope Simon says blow it up because the Pacers 100% need a star in that Bob Kravitz article, a crazy stat. The Pacers haven't picked in the top 10 since 1989. That seems almost unbelievable. George McLeod was the pick way back when. Only Lee Ellis gets excited about George McLeod. (laughs) But it is a question, right? Like they brought in Rick Carlisle, a guy with Indiana ties who had coached there previously. Rick Carlisle's not a rebuild coach, but it really feels like the Pacers need a full-on rebuild. Like, if they go the Orlando and Detroit way, then they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league, which is how you get a star that you're then able to keep around for a long time. But is that at odds with a very old owner and a coach who wants to win? Yeah, definitely. So, I don't know. Going to be a busy time for uh, the Pacers on the phones in the next couple of months. Yeah, yeah, all right. I thought, I, sorry, I thought the Pacers had picked in the top ten. That was a, it was a wild stat there. I thought they picked in the top ten because they took Kawhi Leonard, but obviously Kawhi wasn't in the top no. ten. I uh, I just thought he was in the top ten because he's Kawhi Leonard. Um, but uh, yeah, he was fifteenth, and they traded him for George Hill. No biggie. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, all right. In other news, um, yesterday, wild stuff here. Uh, try to get us started on this one. Uh, ESPN had the news first. I saw Blazers guard CJ McCollum is out after CT scan reveals a collapsed right lung. Um, 
this was uh, an injury that he picked up, um, I guess, two games ago because he missed the last one. It was that sort of at the end of that Celtics game, if I remember correctly, where they where they got embarrassed. But they have found this, and uh, obviously a bit of a scare, but he's going to be out for a little bit here. Yeah, I think Zach Harper said it best when all the news was coming out about C.J. McCollum. There are worse injuries than a collapsed lung, but there aren't many that sound worse than a collapsed yeah. lung. Painful when it happens, I would have to imagine, since it generally comes along with a broken rib and the treatment sounds incredibly painful, depending on how bad uh, the pneumothorax is for C.J. McCollum. I guess the silver lining uh, for C.J. and the Blazers fans, Jeff Stotts at In Street Clothes, who knows all about the injuries in the history of the NBA, it's not uncommon, doesn't happen a lot in the NBA, but there have been a few cases. Gerald Wallace had a pneumothorax, a collapsed lung, Terrence Jones as well. They only missed six games and seven games, which is not the longest absence for something no. that sounds really, really serious. The not silver lining, however, of course, is everything else that's going on with the Blazers. They're already banged up. Obviously, Damian Lillard's out, Anthony Simons is out, Nasir Little is out. They're on a three-game losing streak. They've lost six of seven. The one thing they really had coming into this season was guard depth, and now they don't even have that. Not to mention, the rebuild question is obviously hanging over everybody's head right now. So does this accelerate that? Does it make it harder to trade C.J. McCollum? Probably not. Does it give the Blazers time to consider their options? Also probably not. When it rains, it pours. And it rains a lot in Portland, so it's mm. pouring a lot right now. Just uh, hope C.J. gets feeling better pretty quickly, but... Just the latest in a tough, tough month for Blazers fans. Oh, my God. Yeah, and CJ specifically here with trade rumors hanging over his head, tasks. I know he has the uh, a birth of his child coming up. I think it's right around the corner. And then now this injury, which, again, yeah, sounds uh, devastating. Hopefully it's not too bad. Maybe he misses uh, a week or two here. But, yeah, what did you think when you heard the McCollum news? What, and how do you answer Trey's question? What does this do to the idea of trading him uh, sort of quickly or not? Well, horrendous news. Uh, yeah, he has said that his uh, child is coming in one to five weeks. So he knows the, the timeline is coming. And that yeah, basically lines up with him also in, in the hospital visiting for a collapsed lung, which, yes, is horrendous. Uh, as Zach Harper put it, I think that's perfect. Uh, and it's, it's horrible for him. I don't think it really changes anything in terms of trade value. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think it really does much. Uh, it's it's not a, a basketball-type injury, and hopefully he'll be on the floor uh, sooner rather than later. But in positive spin, maybe this gives him some time off, uh, some little pat leave, a little paternity leave. Have a baby, uh, chill out, and uh, stay away from uh, basketball for a little bit, and then come back, and, and hopefully everything will be better. I don't know. If you look around the league, sometimes guys go out. Look at John Moran in Memphis. Uh, stars go out, and, and teams find find a way to play together. I, I, I know... Portland is just simply struggling with uh, mm-hmm. their guys out and Damian Lillard out. But who the heck knows? Maybe they can rally. I guess that's the only way you can look at it. But I don't think it changes the that calculus. That's a that's a fun word. That's people, a word people are throwing around when it comes uh, to trades. I don't think it changes anything when GMs are looking at C.J. McCollum, really. Lee, anything to add to this McCollum news with the Blazers moving forward? I know we've talked about them a lot over the last couple of days. Yeah, no, I don't think it actually changes. I think, uh, you know, it, hopefully he will be back in a few weeks' time at most here. So it definitely sounds gross. But uh, if you're interested in CJ McCollum, this is not like a, an ACL or something like that where he could potentially be out for an entire season. It sounds like it's uh, more just a few weeks. So if you want CJ, I think you'll still go get, try to get him if you can. Um, Caleb here in the stream team says, a no-dunks blazer shirt would be a great Christmas gift to the Blazers fans. 
that would be the only great thing to happen to this season for us Blazers fans. Wow, Caleb. Um, come on, chin up, man. Uh, yeah, a Blazers shirt. I wonder, Rip City, Rip Farts, Rip Farts. Um, just, no, I'm just spitballing here, coming up with something different. Fart City. Fart City uh, works. Classic yeah. City. <laughs> sucks. Fart it sucks. City. You got yeah. You went why, Fart City. Why does it have to be fart themed? I guess. Uh, I don't know. I just thought, well, I thought Rip City, and then I immediately thought Rip Farts. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, I... uh, you go Rip Farts. I I just think Rip Shitty. I mean, that's, that's oh Rip that's, Shitty. Oh wow, I hadn't uh, thought of that. Yeah. Can we put that on mm. a T-shirt? Yeah, right over there, Lee. What happened there? Yeah, no, I just bop, I just bought my computer here. Um, <laughs> you rip a fart. Just trying to think <laughs> if there's if there's anything uh, keep Portland weird off that that we can uh, throw in there. Mm. But um, keep mm. no ducks weird. Yeah. Uh, and then with a big fart on the back. Oh, we have to have a fart. Must be a fart. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's hey, I just thought of something dumb. Remind me to say it later. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, let's get to last night's games. Only three on, so we can probably touch on all three of these. Uh, let's start with the Brooklyn Nets beating the Mavericks 102-99. Nice comeback victory here. Handed Dallas, Dallas excuse me, their fifth consecutive home loss. They can't win in Texas. Uh, Tass, what were your big takeaways from the Nets' victory? Well, I don't think it's really all that sexy to talk about uh, a team sort of getting better slowly as the season goes on. But I think that's what you look at the the Brooklyn Nets, and that's what's happening. It's like they're building a championship thing. They haven't really looked like a championship team, even though they're the top team in the Eastern Conference. Really, it's Kevin Durant and everybody else on this team. Kevin Durant has looked like either the best or the second best player in the league. And then everybody else is just, you know, coming along for the ride recently. They haven't beaten the good teams in the league, but I think this is a win that shows they are growing a little bit. I think James Harden is finally looking his best. He fooled me at the beginning of the season, saying it was scary time for the rest of the league coming into the season. It was scary watching him at the beginning of the year. He didn't look like James Harden, but right now he looks phenomenal. He looks like he's got those moves back where he can just sort of plow into everybody, keep that ball tight in towards the chest and and create some space and throw it up and score. I think he was the one who helped close it out really with Kevin Durant as this team struggled in a game that I don't think they would have won the first quarter of the season because Harden hasn't been that great. Him, Patty Mills obviously uh, was great in, in the fourth quarter. I think Harden is better now because Nick Claxton is back. He's starting to play more. He's a lob threat, gives Harden a little bit more space. Uh, he played 21 minutes most since game one of the season for Nick Claxton. They just need him. Mr. LaMarcus Aldridge remains reliable. 15 points or 13-3 and three when he scores in double digits. Shout out to Alex Schiffer. That's a good stat. I, like I'm, I'm naming all these guys because they need all these guys, really. Uh, they, they, they need all these guys to play solid. James Johnson has been 60-40 and 40 over his last 10 because guys like Millsap, not been great. Blake Griffin, out of the rotation. Bruce Brown, in and out of the rotation. Cam Thomas looks solid yesterday, but uh, they, they just are a team that... Steve Nash reminds us has had a lot of turnover from last year and needs to come along uh, slowly. And they're doing that again, number one in the East. So uh, people can say, hey, they're not beating the good teams. They DGAF in Brooklyn because they're just getting better. And again, they're the one seed. Uh, I think the more worrisome thing is looking at Luka Doncic and the headline out of this one. And uh, it's something that we talked about in October, November was he does not look all that well-conditioned, and if you come out and you say it after the game, you say, I'm not in great shape, 
uh, well, you're going to get railed for it. And uh, he just doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, the last possession where he could have tied the game, he took that three, missed it, and then he had a wide open three and didn't take it. He just no, he's just not Luca. If you don't take a wide open three to tie a game, you're not Luka Doncic. You're just not feeling like yourself. And if he comes out after the game and uh, says that he's not feeling all all that uh, all that uh, in great shape, like he feels like he's at the top of his his conditioning, uh, that's why the the Mavs are sort of good one day and not great the other day because Luka's not feeling good. Uh, so that's that's that's. Is it worrisome that he's in here year four and he doesn't know how to uh, train in the offseason? He said, uh, you know, he played in the Olympics and then he maybe uh, partied a little too hard or, or relaxed a little too hard. Maybe hitting the Luka hookah a little too hard uh, and, and not and having a little too much fun out there. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess it's not worrisome if he's being honest with himself. If he had a little more help, it wouldn't be that worrisome. But I guess that's why they're just not that great. Yeah, Lee, what do you uh, what do you think of the Mavericks' performance specifically last night? Uh, not shooting well from three point distance, nine of forty six. You don't see that often. The sub twenty yeah. percent from distance. You're not going to win many games like that. And and then Tim Hardaway Jr. even had one there. A pretty good look at the end off the pump fake. Uh, I think it had Durant flying by him, but he couldn't knock it down either. Are you, is there concern here with the Dallas Mavericks? Should they are they going to be a team that's going to be active in the next couple of weeks? You know, looking for a, a little shakeup or another guy to get into this roster to to help their chances to bounce back cuz they're under 500 now. Yeah, and I but I don't really I've never been convinced that they're all that good a team, especially offensively, and I think you saw it in the fourth quarter. The big difference last night was the Nets plan was go to Kevin Durant. And what did Kevin Durant do? He knocked in shots, went five for six in that fourth quarter, and then Patty Mills helped him out as well, hitting eight points in that fourth quarter. Whereas the Mavericks seem to me just like, if you got the ball and you want to shoot, go for it, guys. Who really cares? We're not running anything out here. And then Luca came in, and he did get a couple of baskets himself, but it looked like a lot of work. He had to sort of get into the lane. And that's the big problem, I think, here with the Mavs, is they just don't seem to have much outside of let Luca do whatever he wants to do on the offensive end, which is fine. He's a great offensive player, but it's... Just doesn't. There's nothing behind that. There's no plan B. It seems to me. So they ran out of gas. They ran out of legs. And of course, that's also I think a reflection of Luca that he seemed to look gassed in that fourth quarter. And, and as Tass pointing out, it's a big talking point this season. But he's never really been a guy who's been in super great shape either. He's kind of carried that a little bit of that sort of. Uh, it's a bit like Nikola Jokic. You don't look at him and go, "Wow, this guy's looked like he's been pumping iron in the gym." Those guys just never look like that. So they sort of get their conditioning out throughout the season but when you're losing and when you can't close out games especially in the fourth quarter and your team who did have a good start is now starting to drop off it becomes more of a focal point so I I just I don't think Jason Kidd's a great coach Porzingis was okay in the first half last night didn't do much certainly not in the fourth quarter when they needed him to stand up that happens a lot with Porzingis dunk the ball bro just like no he has like these moments (laughs) like and I think it's the Mavs too and him as well as him like they put him in, in, in motion. They have him moving. He's active. He's closer to the rim a lot of the time. In the first half, this was a perfect example last night. Go check his shot chart from the second half. He's not inside at all. And he's a lot more standing around. And again, I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's like the Mavs get a little too ISO happy in the second half. It, you know, the defense obviously changes. You have to adjust. But he does that a lot in games. He has like these like, oh, wow, great first half. And then rarely can put two together. Um but yeah, Trey, what did what did you think of the the Mavericks here at this point of the season? 
Well, I think they need to make some serious changes here. They need to get better players is the main thing. And they need to get guys who can actually shoot threes because what they have right now is Luka Doncic and whatever he can do. Last night, he really struggled in the second half. 10 points on two of nine shooting. That's not going to get it done. And then they have three-point shooting, which you have to make him. Otherwise, you're not getting anything from a Reggie Bullock who's had a terrible season oh. so far. Tim Hardaway Jr. could not make a three last night. Nine of 46. And if you don't have another plan, like, what are you going to do? Right? Like, no. It should be Porzingis, cut into the hoop. I agree. He had a chance at an and one, finished with a softy layup, missed it, went to the free throw line. That's a point right there you just left on the board. I also thought Jason Kidd was pretty bad in the last minute of this game. Uh, Nick Claxton goes to the line, misses two free throws. Mavericks get the rebound, and he calls a timeout with 20 seconds left. It's the Mavericks' last timeout. They get that weird shot for Luka, a play they could have gotten just by bringing the ball up the court. They did get the offensive rebound, which is good because they had three big men out there. Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba, and Porzingis. Now, I know Reggie Bullock is not shooting the ball well, mm-hmm. but when you're down by three, you should put out your three-point shooters. They should be guards. I mean, maybe one big guy would be fine. They got the offensive rebound, which is nice, and they had a chance, like Tass is saying, there was a shot opportunity for Luka Doncic basically right after the reset, but it would also be nice to be able to call a timeout there and run an actual play and get some sort of an attempt, obviously without the timeout that they used previously. That wasn't there, so I thought that that was uh, pretty poor stuff by Kidd. And on the flip side, I liked what Steve Nash did in the fourth quarter. He played James Harden, Kevin Durant, Patty Mills, James Johnson, and Nicholas Claxton basically all 12 minutes of the fourth quarter. I guess Bruce Brown did come in for the last 20 seconds, a situational sub there, but he said, Claxton, you're giving us a lot more than Aldridge has given us. And I think that Claxton and Johnson, their length, their activity, and their athleticism really made it tough for Porzingis to do anything inside. They were just kind of pushing him out of the way and being the bigger, tougher team down there. So, yeah, the the Nets put it together in the fourth quarter of this one. Pretty impressive stuff, especially considering, like, Durant was on fire. So the Mavericks had to double team. And when he double teams, it's just getting dished to James Harden, who now has a crack to be able to attack the hoop. It was working nice for Brooklyn. They haven't lost consecutive games yet this season. That's pretty impressive. So yeah, a weird season for the Nets. Doesn't feel like they're playing incredibly well, but they're doing well. Unlike the Mavericks, who were winning some games early on and it didn't look good, and now it definitely doesn't look good. Yeah, I went, uh, I popped into Mavs Moneyball this morning just to see what the Mavericks fans were saying (laughs) there, Tass, and... I saw this line. We are toiling away in sweaty mediocrity with a generational superstar on our roster. (laughs) Yeah. um, It's sort of falling apart there with the Dallas Mavericks. And yeah, it's not great when your best high-volume three-point shooter is Dorian Finney-Smith. Like, he's good. That's fine. But he should not be the best. Uh, Because you got Luka, who is not shooting the three-ball great this year at 32%. KP's even worse. He's sub-30. And then your two sharpshooters, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Bullock, like uh, Trey said... They're 34% and 26% from deep, respectively. That, that's not going to cut it. I think kids said a couple times now, Tass, you know, we're like we're a, a three-point shooting team or a jump shooting team that can't hit three-pointers or jump shots right now, and and that's an issue. So, uh, like, do you just yeah. sort of stay the course and go, well, these are going to start dropping. You know, our looks aren't that bad. We're, you know, we're getting open uh, shots. Or do you have to be like, uh-oh, maybe our team is just this and we need to make some pretty drastic changes here. Yeah, the, the template seems like it should work, right? Those guys should just hit shots. And the expected value of those shots, I saw you know, former Mavs employee Bob Vulgaris throw out the, the stat that the expected number of these looks, which are open looks, which are guys who have historically hit them, mm-hmm. 
in all these dudes uh, should be a lot higher than all these percentages that they're hitting. You know, like three out of 10 should be a hell of a lot higher. Uh, so, uh, yeah, do you stay the course? I mean, that's what their team is. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a good question. I don't have an answer, but I think they, they will shake it up here. Uh, like, is it is it the Luca the Luca aspect where he's unable to really close out games? Uh, or is it because he has to do friggin' everything and they're relying on him to do everything and that's just taxing on him when they could just use uh, a little bit of help? I, I guess, I don't know, or is it... Or is it uh, Tim Hardaway not being featured enough or Porzingis not being featured enough or um, guys just not hitting shots. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. I don't have an answer. Zero. All right, Zero well, answer. Goran Dragic is coming to the Dallas Mavericks. We'll see if he can, uh, he'll eventually get there. I mean, you can lock that in. Then he'll be on the Mavericks roster uh, in the next couple uh, weeks or at least a couple of months. Okay, let's keep moving here then. Lakers handled the Celtics 117-102. They split the rivalry for the season uh, that was in the headline tray <laughs> that <laughs> lakers celtics the rivalry. rivalry uh they both what are they tied right now with 17 championships apiece Do yeah. i have that right yeah they are um so yeah anyway takeaways from the lakers victory there last night tk well you've started to hear some talk recently about frank vogel possibly being on the hot seat kind of par for the course for a lebron james team i don't totally buy it but after last night He's got to be a little worried because Laker legend Magic Johnson sent out a tweet that was all the basketball advice that the Lakers needed. Magic tweeted, if the Lakers are going to turn their season around, there are three things they must do on defense. First, they must play better individual defense. Second, play better team defense. And third, transition. They must improve their transition <laughs> defense. That's the weirdest part of that tweet. Why didn't he just say, and third, transition defense? <laughs> Why is it weird to really drive home? Get you some Grammarly, Magic. Uh, anyways, defense, you guys ever heard of it? Turns out Magic was totally right about this one. Pretty slow first half outside of LeBron and Jason Tatum. Tatum had 21, including 14, I think, in the first four minutes of the game. LeBron had 18 in the first half. Robert Williams was dunking everything in sight. It looked like he might be the dominant interior presence in this game because AD snoozed through the first 24 minutes of this game. But in the third quarter, Lakers locked in and looked maybe the best they have this entire season. Anthony Davis really made his presence felt on both ends, I thought. On offense, he was making it a point to live in the lane, be aggressive at the rim. And on defense, he was the Anthony Davis that had an idiot like me picking him to win Defensive Player of the Year, flying around and just owning the paint. The Lakers held the Celtics to 20 points on 31% shooting in the third quarter, and their defense really keyed their offense. They kept getting stops, which let them get out into transition, which is where Russell Westbrook really made his presence felt. 15 in the third for Russ, added three assists. He was assertive. He was in control, and most important to me, He looked good when LeBron was on the court, and he looked good when LeBron was off the court. Frank Vogel said that winning the third quarter has been a goal for the Lakers. They ended plus 11 in the quarter, stretched it out to 20 early in the fourth before the Celtics made a little run in garbage time. Lakers get the W, probably their best win of the season, improved their individual defense, their team defense, and their transition defense. Magic knows how to beat the Celtics. (laughs) The key now is honestly stringing a few of these wins together. Games like this... You see it and you're like, yeah, I'm not crossing the Lakers off my title championship. Because when LeBron, AD, and Westbrook play well, they could still easily win the championship this year. But they've got Memphis, they've got OKC, and they've got Orlando. Their next three games, 
they could lose any of those games, right? Like that's the thing with the Lakers. They'll have a nice win and then they'll slack against one of these bad teams. But a win last night against the Celtics, that was encouraging if you're a Lakers fan. Yeah, Westbrook's turning it around here, Tass. Uh, shouldn't really be a surprise because it happens every year, it feels like, with Russ. Slow starts, and then he starts finding his groove. He's averaging 23.5 points, 9 assists, 7 boards over the last 8 games for the Lakers. And like Trey said, uh, he sort of took over in the third quarter there, just like drive after drive and just being that aggressive Russ, and shots are dropping. So, yeah, anything to add to that game? Yeah, we're at this point of the season. Russ turns it on. Everything looks good. And, uh, yeah, the third quarter especially is – Either you love it or you hate it as a Lakers fan. It has been horrendous uh, for most of the year, but now uh, they've turned it around in that third quarter. They, they used to be a, a terrible third quarter team, and that's the sign of a championship team, right? We point to the Warriors, you know, the best third quarter team in the league, uh, when they you know lay the hammer down, and now the Lakers are doing the same thing. They were their weakest. Now uh, it feels like uh, that's when they, they really want to put their foot down. So, yeah, I think this is this is exactly the point of the season where uh, the Lakers will decide to turn it on. <laughs> and I, I think LeBron has realized, um, and, and, and the whole team, Anthony Davis as well, who's been you know kind of middling a little bit and Russ turning it on now that they have to uh, get better at this point. They can't just be a, a play-in tournament type team. That's kind of where they've been middling. But now they're sixth and only upwards from here, it sure feels like. And yeah, I, I totally agree with Trey. This is exactly why you don't face this team in the playoffs. And they should be still uh, talked about, even though they're 13 and 12, even though they've been lousy defensively, even though they're top heavy, even though they're old, they should be in that conversation mm-hmm. for a, a championship team. Lee, I got a question for you. Dennis Schroeder struggled last night for the Celtics. only scored 10 points. Um, he didn't even play in the fourth quarter, if I remember correctly. He was booed regularly in the first half by Lakers fans. Now, I guess the reason being, you know, he turned down an 84 million four-year deal, like an offer from the Lakers, right? He wanted to test the market last summer. Instead, he had to settle for like a $6 million deal, one-year deal that went to Boston. How do you feel about them booing him doing that, though? I'm just curious. Very, very weird. Um, It doesn't make a lot of sense because... He didn't insult the franchise, certainly not that I saw. He he bet on himself and he lost. So he's the only one who really should be upset with himself. If you know what I'm like, okay, the Lakers. Well, Lakers fans, of, though, are so delusional. They're like, you should have played for us for $1 million, yeah, man. You yeah, the right to yeah. put on the, the <laughs> yeah. purple and gold, yeah, it, let it, alone $84 million. Yeah. But, but, yeah, he, I mean, he didn't, I don't think he did anything to sh- <laughs> that should have upset the fans that's the, the weird right. part of it you know except but, leaving them <laughs> yeah he, i guess i guess i guess they're yeah. saying oh you're too good for us and look yes. what happened to you sort of yes. thing and yes. uh but he's actually embraced that he's kind of said yep i screwed up uh, you know rather than sort of, try to <laughs> sort of point out but i think this victory comes down to the fact that have you ever guys ever played pickup ball and all of a sudden a pretty girl turns up and everyone starts like hustling and rebounding and boxing yeah. out and contributing you saw what happened last night. Jennifer Lopez there was courtside. So everyone's like, all right, all right, all right. Let's play our best here, guys. Let's play our best. Uh, and it okay. happened. It Interesting. worked. Interesting. Yeah. So, I thought they so, were playing for Ben Affleck. Nah. Ben Affleck. Yeah. Ben Bub. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, interesting thought. happens. All right. Yep. Uh, final game. Let's flip this in. I'm here. actually with Nuno here. I've never impressed a girl with a box out. <laughs> well, Nuno, you it just means hustle man. more. Yeah, just try harder. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the whole problem. Hustle. There, Nuno, you... Come on. Yeah. 
Get Girls buckets. Like That's what's impressed the women. Come on, you know this. Boxing out. But That's hey, for listen, the sickos. He's boxing yeah. out. He's looking over. Like, hey. What happens if you're a bad shooter and uh, you don't want to throw up an air ball in front of her? So you want to be that guy who's like, oh, that guy's working hard. Look at him. He's hustling. I bet he looks like he's a high energy guy, high effort guy. Glue high guy. Energy. Glue guy. High energy on the court, high energy in the bed, right, Lily? Uh, okay. Final game. Uh, let's slip it in here. RJ Barrett. He hit seven threes as the Knicks beat the Spurs to snap a three-game skid. Of course the Knicks won. I took the Spurs last night. Uh, but Lee, what'd you think? I didn't actually. The coins, pick, the, the coin, the flip of the coin picked the Spurs last night. But what'd you think, Lee? Lee? Uh, the, the Knicks have to somehow figure out. Maybe they should go to Tampa to play their home games like the Raptors did last oh, season. Wow, because wow. outside of Madison Square Garden, they just looked like a completely different team last night. Now, Nerlens Noel came in for Mitchell Robinson. Now, in, in the last couple of games, the Knicks have been hurt by like a floor-spreading big man like a Vucevic or like Jokic. That's not really the case when you go up against Jakob Pertl there in San Antonio. So you can afford to make a move like that, but it really worked. Mitchell Robinson was very effective in this game. RJ Barrett hit his first five threes, finished seven for eight from the game. And Julius Randle just looked like that all-star he was last season, that most improved player confident, got to his spots, hit shots, played with an aggressive tone, but also just a freeness, a looseness, a looseness that they just don't get playing in that crowd in Madison Square Garden because the expectations are so high. I mean, I know I've referred to reference this earlier in the season. Scientifically, I haven't got any proof, but when I watch the game, the eye test tells me there's just such a release valve when they're not in Madison Square Garden and uh, they just play better. Now, the Spurs are on the second night of a back-to-back. They didn't shoot well themselves last night and the Knicks seem to just catch fire. But honestly, it's incredible how different this team just looks outside of the garden versus when they're at home. They just seem tight. They seem like any time they miss a shot, they fall behind two or three baskets. Like it's such a, a an effort to get themselves back into the game. Last night, sec- first half was somewhat sort of tightish, but then they really did spread it out in that second half. And uh, in the end, a very comfortable road victory here for the Knicks. Yeah, Tass, what did you think of Tibbs uh, switching up the center position there? I'm just interested to hear your thoughts because Lee said it. Nerlens Noel gets the start. Mitchell Robinson had started all 20 games that he had played in this year, but he comes off the bench and has a great game. 11-14, two steals, three blocks. In 22 minutes, he threw that up. Um, Tibbs has said they're interchangeable, but does Mitchell Robinson maybe just work better as a sort of an energy guy coming off the punt? Well, uh, it worked in this one for sure. I think Tibbs uh, playing his hand perfectly. He is... Uh, just showing that uh, sometimes you just got to call guys out. He did that with Mitchell Robinson. It, it worked perfectly. Now, I think if you put him in the starting lineup, I think he'll be fine. Uh, but, yeah, Mitchell Robinson was in a great mood. Even when Drew, Drew Eubanks, Spurs backup center, took him down and he looked injured, uh, Mitchell Robinson got up and said, you know, that's cool, man. Uh, you must have been in a great mood because that is just the perfect recipe for a fight, but Mitchell Robinson was just cool with it. Uh, I, I think, yeah, Tibbs is just playing his hand perfectly. Uh, it, it worked for one game. Uh, I don't know how long it works for forever because I think the, the way he called out RJ Barrett also worked perfectly. He basically said, you got to get in the gym, son. It, it doesn't get more emphatic than a coach saying, hey, you used to shoot in practice. You used to shoot three-point jumpers after the last game is what he said about RJ Barrett. Just go practice. And then he has his career high in three-pointers, just like that. I mean, he's playing it perfectly. And so, Well, didn't Fred Katz say the reason was, like, R.J. Barrett had, like, 
a stomach bug and had the mm. shits and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's the looseness. He was Jeff Daniels in Dumb and Dumber blowing his guts out on the toilet. Went out and was Drano on the court as well. Uh, I mean, seven threes, if you get that from R.J. Barrett, that's huge. And he did a great job, I thought, of playing off of Julius Randle. You know, Julius Randle was getting doubled a lot. He was doing a good job of being uh, a good teammate, getting rid of the ball. That got R.J. Barrett open threes. That also got him open driving lanes, which he took advantage of. So, yeah, a really nice win for the Knicks. Are we? Are you saying that R.J. Barrett has had a stomach bug for 22 games? Well, for two weeks, he hasn't apparently. Been... No, two weeks. Yeah. I mean, you know, since sort of Tibbs has gotten on him, like, you're right. I'm not saying, I'm not denying what Tibbs said. You're right. But, I mean, maybe it wasn't that, Tibbs. Maybe the guy just, like, couldn't stay off the can. He couldn't get in the gym because he was sitting on the can 24 <laughs> <It's a long laughs> stomach That virus, is a long though, stomach it? bug. Yeah, yeah, I mean, drink drink some, like, stale ginger ale or something. Yeah, mm. have some crackers. Let's make some Knicks diapers. We're making Portland shitters, Portland trail shitters, whatever we're making. Um, let, let's, uh, let's make some diapers. What are they? Yeah. Well, I don't well, know. Knickerbockers. I mean, they are the Knickerbockers. <laughs> like maybe or, like, hold on. Are Bockers underwear? Are, like Knickers are underwear. Well, Knickerbockers are, aren't they the big old uh, old fashioned underwear? That's, I think they were. Right. Right? Uh, I thought those I were bloomers. <laughs> okay, okay, I got it. So, <laughs> we uh, we make it could be adult diapers, and when someone poops himself, like a little trigger goes bing bong. Uh, <laughs> just so everybody around you, for some reason, knows that you just dumped in your diaper. I don't know why you would ever want that. Okay, perfect time to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll hit the beach to answer a few of your questions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Been doing a bunch of retirement planning stuff lately. So I've had documents flying in and out the mailbox. A lot of signatures, both analog and digital. A lot of phone calls, a lot of stamps. Got to get my long-term future straight. Yeah. Let me tell you, Skeets. The things we build our future around are the things worth protecting. Making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Watch your assets. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash nodunks for 10% off plus free document shipping. Trust and Will's website is simple to use and the process is straightforward. In no time, you'll have peace of mind that your assets and wishes are secure with easy access and control of your estate planning. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Whether it be care wishes, nomination guardians, final arrangements, or power of attorney, it's easy to ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with trust and will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash nodunks. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash nodunks. Selling a little? Yeah. Cha-ching. Or a lot? (laughs) Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling savory sausages or offering ostentatious oddities, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash nodunks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash no dunks now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash no dunks. I like this here from uh, Julio. Me and Julio down in the stream yard. Julio <laughs> says, this is the only podcast where I don't skip past the ads. There it is. We love to see and hear it. Thank you, Julio. Um, yeah, Leo, because it just came up at the Christmas dinner that you were going to be gone in Canada for a couple weeks. And we were like... It's not in the calendar. Everybody else is putting their travel plans. Yeah, and you were like, "Yeah, it is." You're like, it's "Yeah, in it's the in the calendar." Oh, well, it was in the slacks. Slack. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have a calendar. You can put the dates. And then you were like, "It is in the calendar." I'm like, "I'm not seeing it." And then, yeah, we got yeah. to the bottom of the oh, calendar man. that you were using. Uh, listen, uh, it's on my calendar on the fridge at home. If that helps, I'm like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I just take a photo and put it in Slack. That'll be Pinning. easy for us. All right, let's uh, hit the beach. Answer a few of your questions. Holy moly, we're already about an hour into this podcast and we're just hitting the beach. Having some fun here on a Wednesday, aren't we? All right, first one. It's from Derek in Minneapolis. Here's a good question. Which player gets their first career big beef game this year? 20 rebounds or more. It says here, if Skeets picks Tim Hardaway Jr., you need to bench Skeets for a few pods. (laughs) Always saying Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to get 50 points one of these days. 20 rebounds, probably not. Uh, my homer pick, writes Derek, for from someone who hates homer picks, is Jared Vanderbilt. Okay, he's a Wolves fan here. Turn up, love you guys, awesome. Again, that's from Derek. So, first career big beef uh, this season, Tass. Uh, what's your prediction? Oh, Derek, with the V8 call, Jared Vanderbilt, that's his nickname. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. I'm a Jared Vanderbilt fan, although 20 boards for a guy playing small forward-ish, power forward-ish. He could do it. He's a hustle guy. Uh, But yeah, it would be a bit of a struggle. He's going to get lots of minutes there. Good pick. Uh, But somebody who's already been mentioned today, Jakob Pertle. I think, Mm. yeah, he's going to squeeze one out. He never plays around the three-point line, never goes close to it. He's averaging a career-high nine and a half boards per game. He's nearly averaging a double-double. Give him a little respect. Uh, he's a pretty decent player. Uh, he's playing big minutes. I don't think anyone's going to take his minutes. I mentioned Drew Eubanks, Jock Londale, all these white guys. Not They're not taking his minutes. Uh, so um, 
I think I think Pop likes to play uh, Pirtle uh, a lot, and uh, he's got a board if he's going to play for Pop, and that's why he's averaging a career high in nine and a half boards. So I I, uh, I believe in Yak. He's a an underrated center. He really really plays hard, and you don't want to go to the rim against Yak Pirtle, even though you don't think of him as an uh, as a really athletic guy. I, it's like uh, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are courtside every single game for Yak Pirtle's games. That guy plays <laughs> hard. 48 minutes a game. So Boxing him collecting. Like crazy. <laughs> he does. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. It's true. He is good at that. I'm, uh, I'm actually furious with Pirtle <laughs> last night because I had him on a crazy uh, parlay for over 21 and a half rebounds and points. And what did he naturally end with? 21 combined points and rebounds. <laughs> it's the only one that didn't hit. Uh, otherwise, we were looking at having uh, – Fresh socks for life, guys. Uh, <laughs> but uh, come on. Oh, and it really hurt because there was a possession where he got the rebound and he had like a little bunny inside and he missed it. If he scores there, uh, I hit the over. But that's a good one. I actually a... went through the rebound leaders uh, to try and figure out the answer to this question. I, I like um, you know your pick there with Pirtle, though, Tass. Uh, there are 16 guys right now who average over 9.9 rebounds per game. Okay, All of them except one have at least one big beef in their career. That's the tough part of this. I see people in the stream team suggesting names. Guys, they already have big beefs uh, to their name, a couple of them you're suggesting. But one that doesn't, 9.9 rebounds per game, Magic Big Man Wendell Carter. So that's my pick. I'll go with him. Um, He grabbed 17 in a game once this season. Or excuse me, that's his career high. He did it for the Bulls. He's got like a 15-board game this year. He did that in like pretty limited time too. So I think he could get to... uh, to 20 maybe in a he just gets a lot of minutes because of an injury to some backup or maybe an overtime period or something like that give me wendell carter trey for his first big beef ever is he still wearing goggles i believe he is yeah i think that helps rebounding all <laughs> i don't know why but you know there's not a lot of guards out there that are wearing goggles it's usually the big guys so yeah i'm in on that one i also think a wizard is gonna beef at some point i don't know if it's gonna be kyle kuzma or montrez harrell they're both averaging career-high rebounds this year. They both have had their career-high game. I think 18 for Harrell was his career-high. 17 for Kuzma. That was a surprise. Uh, but, yeah, Wes Unseld Jr. is the coach now. His dad, Wes Unseld Sr., a rebounding legend, a Wizards legend. It will be an honorific beef. <laughs> Lee, got anyone else to add to this? What's your prediction? First big beef for their career. Vucci hasn't beef for the Bulls. He had 19 earlier this season. Uh, so but he I has think, a beef to his name. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess he does. Yeah, but uh, he hasn't beefed on his new team. So I'm just gonna take <laughs> so that just little. Like, don't work. worry about the question and just <laughs> go take completely. That well, it, it was a bit of a weird question anyway, because because when he threw in the Tim Hardaway, so I'm like, does he just mean then career high game? Is that what he meant? But you know, because obviously Tim Hardaway is not going to beef. So anyway, well, yeah, he's he's joking that I would pick Tim Hardaway. Yeah, the, that's uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right so so okay just for the record here i want to i want to track this i got wendell carter sounds like tass is taking Pirtle. trey your your official pick is are you going uh Montre- give me a montrez harrell okay official pick yeah and, and lee is going vooch for his new team even though he's already done it before <laughs> <laughs> okay okay yeah this this was a weird one because i i, I too was going through guys game logs going back yeah that's Who's what i did beefed? uh mitchell robinson yeah he, he's been in the league you know this is four, year four for him he had a big beef in year number one hmm. and not since 
had to go deep in the game logs for Mr. Mitchell. But it's great to have a Mitchell in the league. You know, we don't have a first name Mitchell in the league. We got a Donovan Mitchell. It doesn't count. But Mitchell's just a nice name to have in the league. And I do agree about the goggles comment with Trey. I was I don't know what game I was watching yesterday, but I saw uh, there was a big man uh, on the Spurs bench maybe, and he was squinting, looking at something courtside. Like, <laughs> if you're a basketball player, why are you ever squinting? Shouldn't you get your eyes checked? You know, like yeah, get that. Laser. You should have perfect squinting? eyes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Next question. Uh, Mary Dinkmas. I'll get right to it. This morning in my research communication class, my professor had a ton, we're talking hundreds, of his own basketball cards laid out on the tables for an activity about statistics. I couldn't tell you what we were supposed to be doing because naturally I was searching fervently for an Otis Thorpe card. Another way back playback to when we used to open cards. Wouldn't you know it? This guy won. He found four Otis Thorpe cards, and instantly my day was made. Wow. When's a time when two of your worlds collided at an unlikely time? Love you, boys. Love you too, Jack Love from you too. SoCal. Yeah. Merry Dinkmas to you. Well. <laughs> Merry Dinkmas, everyone. <laughs> All right, so Lee, when's a time to when uh, two of your worlds collided at an unlikely time? Yeah, well, uh, first off, though, Otis Thorpe cards are like wedgies. They do come in bunches. I've often seen when we've opened a pack, we get one Otis, you get another Otis. So that sort of uh, checks out there. But for me, the answer is actually the 2017 finals. Warriors Cavs, of course. And I was out there and, uh, you know, Trey and I used to go and you'd get to interview some players from time to time. But I was always interested in who else was there. And one year... Thierry Henry, the former Arsenal striker, was there. And I used to be a big fan of uh, Thierry when I lived in London. He was great. And I got a chance to interview him, and I was very excited. And look at that. There he is, mm, me nice. and Thierry. I've even put it on a uh, backdrop there. Wow, you, it's very in. nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I've, said, I've said this as well before. Like, you know, people talk about Ronaldo and Messi as the two greatest strikers of the sort of last 20 years. Henry's up there, man. He was unbelievable as a player. Uh, the uh, manager of Arsenal at the time, Arsene Wenger, picked him up off the scrap heap at Juventus for £10 million. A snip, he turned out to be. Uh, Henri's got a statue now outside the Emirates Stadium there. I went and saw that, actually, when I was in London. But, uh, yeah, to, to interview Thierry Henry for me was just uh, incredible. He's a big basketball fan, um, and uh, it was an awesome, awesome experience. Okay, good answer. Trey, you got one? Yeah, mine is actually from yesterday. Finished recording No Breaks with Graydon Gordy and went to check my email, and the first email I saw was from Masterclass. Not an ad. <laughs> right. Meet your new instructor, Lewis Hamilton. Lewis wow. Hamilton is a Masterclass instructor teaching the winning mindset. Now, this is not an ad because they are currently not a sponsor, but I'm still going to watch this. Guaranteed, but only if Lewis Hamilton wins on Sunday because I assume... If he comes in second, they'll just delete it off the platform. <laughs> they're like, sorry, yeah. sorry. I mean, seven is good, but it's not eight. So, but, but yeah, I'm excited to, to see what Lewis says about it. And I'm excited to put his driving tips to the test here in Atlanta. Well, that's the unfortunate part. Shouldn't it be Lewis Hamilton teaching you how to like uh, <laughs> parallel park or something? Like, yeah. that'd be, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, winning drive. mindset. Okay. I mean, you can apply that to a lot more in your life, but I like the specific stuff. Like, Hey, yeah, that exactly. guy's the best driver in the world. Teach me how to drive. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, Tass, you have an answer? I mean, my answer is pretty simple. It's like anytime I've ever run into a survivor contestant at a basketball arena. Um, Wendell Holland, we saw here at uh, state farm arena down at the fortress, I think. And well, I guess I never saw Earl Cole in person, but he's a big he's a big basketball fan. So anytime there's that crossover between Survivor and and basketball fandom, I love it. But what about you, Tass? 
Um, well, mine is uh, F1 related as well. Every Monday, I make some NBA picks on a, a an athletic podcast. It's called Best on the Board. They make NFL picks. I jump on uh, with Michael Beller to make some NBA picks for that night. Uh, and after I recorded on Monday, Michael Beller hit me up and said, we have a mutual friend, Graydon Gordian, oh, wow. who, is, who is on uh, our F1 podcast, No Breaks. They went to school together, grad school at Northwestern. They uh, roomied together for uh, at least a semester. So there's a tie-in. There's a two worlds colliding. Graydon Gordian, Michael Beller said, he's a great guy. And I said, of course he is. Of course Graydon Gordian is. And of course he's a mutual friend because Graydon Gordian knows everybody. Yeah, that's true. He it's probably not... knows Thierry Henry. <laughs> <laughs> probably does, yeah. Between, between Graydon Gordian and Larry Luke, they know everyone that has ever walked on this earth. They, they know a lot of people. Great, great uh, well, actually, actually, can I get uh, JD? Can I get that picture of Thierry Henry because uh, I'm collecting photos for our top 75 guests, photos or videos, and I think I mentioned to Lee, hey, give me that Thierry Henry one because, you know, I don't know where that clip is. Oh, he put it. He in probably the put it in the calendar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the wrong one. <laughs> it's there. It's okay, on a Monday. Cool. I'll find it. I'll find it in that calendar. What's that calendar called? My old friends. Well, I don't know what it's called. Cool. My old friends. Just a calendar of times he's met people. Oh, <laughs> Thierry Henry, June 28th. All right, we got time. Well, I think Lewis Hamilton was at that final series, actually, Trey, wasn't he? I think oh, yeah, we've a, seen that got photo a before. creepy yeah. uh, sort of uh, selfie with him, didn't you? Sort of like a... I wish. I took a dumb picture with Neymar. <laughs> if I would have known that years later I actually liked Lewis Hamilton, I would have taken a picture with him. Yeah. But you had to fill me in on it afterwards. Who's that guy wearing the orange jacket? He looks famous. He was. All right, final one here. Good day, no dunkers. I'm 36 years old and ripped some lips for the first time this summer. And I caught a fish. I've become quite proud of this very generic accomplishment. What's something you accomplished much later than others, but you're still proud of? Thanks for the many years of laughs. I found you on the Grantland podcast with your Friday episodes years back, and I've been enjoying the classics ever since. That's from Wes in Utah. Uh, Wes Mangum. Mangum? Mangum. I hope it's yeah. Mangum. Uh, anyway, Wes <laughs> in Utah. Great question. Something you've accomplished much later than others, but you're still proud of. Trey, what do you got? Uh, for me, it's liking olives. It took until I was 36 <laughs> years old for me to realize that I liked olives. My 2021 New Year's resolution was to tell people that I liked olives because to me, it kind of came as a surprise, man. I just thought I hated them forever. And then one day I was like, wait a second, buddy. You love a tapenade spread on a muffaletta. <laughs> you use olive oil all the time when you're cooking. You don't mind olives on pizza. Do you actually like olives? Hmm. <laughs> Turns out I do. So I've been letting people know for the entire year, and I just wanted to tell you guys because I don't know if I've ever <laughs> clarified it. Uh, but yeah, I'm an olives guy now. So the key to me, Laura always said you got to have seven. You got to have seven and then you'll like olives. I'm like, what? Yeah. That sounds completely made up to me. But I think she's right that you have to have multiple because the first one, salt bomb. Second one, though. Your tongue's ready. Your tongue is ready for that delicious olive <laughs> brine. And then you're living the life. Then you can get up to seven if you're feeling crazy. Yeah. Lee, mm. I can't remember. Are you in? Oh, wait. We know Tassel of olives. Do you like olives? 
Yes, I wouldn't say I love them, but uh, yeah, when they're uh, a little starter, they're going around the table before the main meals come. Yeah, I'm, I'm dipping. You don't into like a them for your bit. main dish? No, well, I'm just <laughs> the thing is because <laughs> just I think big vat I think of the, I think they are very very salty the whole time, so that's why I. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. yeah, four or five, and I'm done. That's it. But yeah, I'm definitely dipping in for one or two for sure. All right, great, good to know. Um, Maybe some might have some olives in some of your stockings <laughs> this year, guys. Uh, just loose olives. Just throw them in. Uh, it's like clementines or uh, oranges. Um, Tass, do you have an answer for this one? I'm cooking. Now, it's not current. I haven't learned how to cook yet, but I'm, uh, I'm speaking about the future. One day I'm going to learn how to cook. And then I'm going to be really proud that it happened in my <laughs> 40s, maybe, 50s. I don't know. Talking, it, I, talking I it into existence. Yeah, I haven't learned it yet, but I'm going to be super proud. Okay. It's well, not yeah. happening now. I cook olives. I do cook olives, <laughs> as Kevin said. I cook me some olives. No <laughs> doubt. I like um, olives if they're cold or if they're warm. doesn't matter to me because I like olives now. This guy loves them. <laughs> yeah. I can't stop talking about them. <laughs> you got to uh, let everybody know. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, what, what do you got for this one? Well, I was uh, 45 when I discovered a thing called snuba diving, which is uh, halfway between uh, scuba diving and snorkeling. And I did it as soon as a day after I found out it existed, I did it. And it was awesome. And I did it with my uh, eight year old son at the time. And it was a great experience. I've always been, I've snorkeled a lot, but I've always been a little hesitant to scuba. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect in between. You go down under the water for a long time, but you're not super far down. So. Uh, really, really fun experience. Aquaman! Ah! <laughs> oh, there it is. Sorry, Didn't know you were doing that. It's well played. Uh, are you going to be doing it again? Yes. Yes. I don't know when or where, but uh, yes, I absolutely Just put it in the again. calendar when you're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have an idea. Whatever you put there. <laughs> well, uh, snuba diving. Your buddy, our buddy Grish, my buddy yeah. Grish, I should call him. That's his official title. It's, well, he went, it's uh, my buddy, but it is yeah, our buddy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he went like a, on a shipwreck uh, sort of thing down in Aruba, which looked pretty exciting. So uh, that, that, that's somewhere on the horizon at some point. I want to get down there and check that out. Yeah, like the snuba in Aruba. <laughs> I can't remember though what what are um my buddy Grish's opinions on snuba diving cuz he's a big scuba diver does he yeah. like uh you know put his what? giant nose up to uh to, to <laughs> shark <laughs> I couldn't resist uh, well, yeah what does he think of it I can't remember well like like most people when I when I put it on the gram he thought it was just a spelling mistake I put snoober instead of scuba <laughs> where's your Grammarly said, account yeah he yeah. said I love a good snoober with a little laugh emoji and I was like but it's a real thing and then we talked about it I think he's into it because yeah he's scuba a lot and I think it's a little a nice way to break in with his kids I don't think his kids have been scubering with him as far as I recall so uh, scubering did you pronounce or did you spell that Ross I'm actually checking right now if Grammarly picks up on snuba Uh, I can tell you do you plan on uh, working your way up to a full scuba Lee yes I do I do now that I've had the experience because uh, you have to learn how to sort of clear your nasal passage and also pop your ears and uh, once you do that it's gross when you, you see what's in your mouth and your face there but you feel a little bit more comfortable with the uh, just the breathing and stuff so yes I, I definitely want to go for a scuba at some point who's your favorite actor Lee? I see people in the stream team asking my favorite actor yeah is it Snooba Gooding Jr. <laughs> 
Lee, Lee what's, your fa- what's your favorite brass instrument? <laughs> <laughs> the snuba, perhaps? <laughs> yeah. No, my kids mm. love watching Snoopy Doo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Fire the fun gun here. Okay, uh, great stuff, guys. Keep your questions coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Tweet them in at No Dunks Inc. You can leave them in the YouTube comments below any of our videos if you'd like to do that as well. We'll be hitting the beach uh, periodically here, maybe the rest of the week, and of course into next week and the rest of the season. So always send in those NBA and non-NBA questions. We're going to take our final break when we come back. JD's got tweet of the night. We got pick em results, and we'll make our new picks. So don't go anywhere. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey Lee, do you know what they call American Giant in Canada? (laughs) No. (laughs) American Giant. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like why wouldn't they call it the same thing uh, that uh, you were setting up for something it's coming uh, I know there's a second punch no, coming here so. no. Oh, no that's it man it's called American Giant also in Canada uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, bear, you, by the way you gotta go to American Dash Giant oh okay you need it mm. why, why don't they buy this other one <laughs> squatters I'm sure they'd like it uh, Amer- AmericanGiant.com no dash is available for a strategic transaction they're waiting for you, American Dash mm-hmm. Giant. Go buy them. Yeah. All right. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm. Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. What do you got, Genie? Yeah, so uh, it, we just have a simple SOT today. What's a SOT, you may ask, for the stream team and pod squad? Why? It stands for sound on tape. A clip, if you will. Our old friend and colleague Rob Lopez tweeted a clip of our old friends and colleagues Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson talking about the inspiration for Chuck's daughter's name. Well, she's named after a mall in fairness. (laughs) That's a Christiana Mall uh, in Delaware that I used to always go by. That's how she got her name, Christiana. Hold. Stop. Wait, what is it? You named your daughter after a mall? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I just like the mall. <laughs> You're a mess, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who cares if he named the named his daughter after a mall? It's it's a nice it's a Chris is a Christiana, right? Like yeah, it's a nice yeah. name, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I like it. it is, I mean, yeah. it's it's hard to name a human. I mean, we uh, four of us have done it twice. I know that uh, when uh, we were naming our first son, Rachel was pregnant, and uh, it's it's generally assumed that my son Lincoln was named after the 16th president of the United States, which, of course, sure, yes, uh, sort of. But the reality is she was pregnant. We were sitting watching a, an old show called Prison Break, where, of course, the smoldering <laughs> Dominic Purcell plays a character named Lincoln Burroughs, and we just looked at each other and we were like, hey, what do you think of Lincoln? 
<laughs> Love it. That's it. Nice. So we knew we were having a boy, and uh, that's how you name people. It's uh, it's can, <laughs> it can actually be that simple. So. Ernie, relax, man. That's uh... <laughs> <laughs> that. That's like the like ten millionth craziest thing Charles Barkley has ever said, oh. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy. I mean, if he named his daughter Yorkdale or something like that, then you're like, yeah. okay, that's you know. But Christiana, I'm sure, is a very common name or variations of it. Anyway, you know, sure, Christine, yeah. Christina. So yeah, it's not that. Just crazy. like Chuck is so. That guy is so honest. It's like. He doesn't have to tell that to anybody, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like you said, it's a beautiful name. No one would really ever know it's named, of course, after this mall in Delaware. Instead, he's like, no, I'll just I'll just let you know. I mean, how old is she at this point, too? Yeah, I don't know. Like 20s at least, 20, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. I would say at least, yeah. yeah. So, um, Yeah, I don't know. Are there any good malls here in Atlanta that you could... Uh... Lennox is Lennox. a good name. Lennox, Lennox yeah, is J- a good name, yeah. JD's dog. Formerly yeah, yeah. known as Lennox. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you name it after the mall that you were moving to years later? I mean, it all depends on the mall, like Jay, or like uh, Lee said. Yeah. Like, you know, Yorkdale in Toronto. Okay. Sherway, Square One, no. Eaton. Eaton? You know, I guess Eaton. Questionable Eaton's names. A name. It's a name. It's a name. It's, a name. it's, a name. Sure. it's also a baseball <laughs> bat, isn't it? It's Easton. Yeah, it's also cheating. <laughs> it's also what? Cheating. Cheating? <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. Well, he's, what did no, he say? Honestly, I'm missing. What, <laughs> what am I missing? <laughs> it's, yeah, eating's cheating. When you're you know, on a big day of drinking, you're not allowed to eat. So, I've never yeah. heard that. That's why I'm very baffled. Uh, yeah. Uh, Has anybody else heard, heard this? I have heard this before. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't think Tass and Trey have to be jumping in here. So that's why I, mean, I, I was confused. Okay. I kind of do it though. I don't eat when I'm when I'm drinking. So. Mm. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Big mistake. Well, dangerous. Yeah. 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 I, I don't actually. Uh, I like. I don't like it at all. I hate drinking on an empty stomach. So. Yeah. Mm. There you go. <laughs> uh, we we can use a cool story right now on, on this little exchange for all for of us. Who? For, uh, for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool story, bro. There you go. Uh, okay, great. Great tweet of the night. Great SOT. Great SOT. Mm. <laughs> You're just giving away all the secrets, JD. Yeah. Showing off the classic factory, telling all the people what a SOT is. This is like a masterclass of your own doing. Yeah, an angry no, we'll masterclass, yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be very happy when it's all working. Right? Are you sure? Are you sure? I think you're still gonna. I'll be happier. Know. I'll be happier. Right, I won't right, be. Right. Ha- I'll never be happy. <laughs> Genius, yeah, never yeah. actually 100 happy. Uh, all right. Well, so, uh, yeah, I can see JD. Ah, things are going great. It sucks. I've got nothing to complain about. What's going on here? <laughs> Some truth to that. Uh, pick results from last night brought to you by BetMGM. Um, talking about being angry. Uh, it's another loss for me because I had the Spurs. So did Trey. That's his first L for the month of December. And Lee as well. Lee, what happened to you? You're like me here. You're one in four. Tass got the only victory there. He took the Knicks to uh, cover on the road. They got the victory. So Tass is three and two. Goes Trey four and one. Tass three and two. And then me and Lee. At one and four, uh, there are 13 games on tonight, Tass. 26 teams uh, are playing. So what's our game for the pick'em here? 
I thought a difficult one was Utah going into Minnesota, favored by eight and a half points. Timberwolves just have to lose by eight or less. Uh, but, uh, you know, Trey feeling the jazz there and the rest of us feeling the wolves, which I found it real tough. There are a lot of injuries in this one. Mm-hmm. Backcourt for the wolves, questionable Patrick Beverly and D'Angelo Russell. And so is Carl Anthony Towns after playing the last game, after returning from the old butt injury, the tailbone injury. Uh, this eight and a half feels like a lot, but Trey, you think they got this down? Yeah, that's a big chunk of cheese, but the Jazz are playing pretty good ball. They've won four straight. They've got some decent rest. You know, they played Friday, Sunday, and Wednesday, and perhaps they'll have a little bit of an advantage here with Towns being a little bit hobbled. That is a big line, though, so we shall see. Yeah, Wolves, Wolves having lost three straight, the rest of us feel like they can keep it close keep it at close. least, but yeah, we'll see. Yep. Rudy is playing amazingly, amazingly for the Utah Jazz. All right, so that's one of the many games on tonight. Like I said, Jazz, Wolves, we will be back tomorrow morning to break down as many as we possibly can and all of the big NBA news, which goes down in the next 24 hours. So join us live at 10 a.m. Eastern on YouTube. Subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Like the show. Comment away. We're slowly ticking up there in the subs. There's been some nice activity as we... uh, approach our way to 50,000. So, man, what a Christmas gift that would be for your No Dunks boys. 50K subs on YouTube? Try and help us out if you haven't already. Email your questions in, nodunksattheathletic.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at No Dunks Inc. Grab yourself an athletic subscription. You will not be disappointed. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunks. Before we go, Lily, I know this is a long podcast, but can you give me a one-minute recap of the ashes? You were freaking out on Twitter with these clips here. Um, you know, who's doing well early on? Well, Australia's done very well. The first day of potentially five, uh, and England were bowled out for 147, which is a very, very bad return. At the Gabba, we're in Brisbane. You always want to bat first. England got to bat. They won the toss. They went to bat. They lost a wicket with the very first ball. So that was the clip you were sharing there. Yeah, Crazy. And then they uh, they steadied somewhat to at least make 147. I mean, that, when you consider you're one for none after one delivery, 140 is okay. But uh, Australia is in a very strong position after day one. But rain, because in cricket you can make up the time, but there's a sort of limit that if if you don't you don't play extended days. So if it rains and rains and rains, England could get away with this without actually losing the match. So. Uh, Are you serious? Like, if it just rained for the next 10 weeks, you're saying? Uh, Or I guess even five days? Well, the next four days, yeah. 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 Or it it, it could only maybe rain for like two or three days and wash out two or three days, and then there just wouldn't be enough time for Australia to win the game outright. Wow, uh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just ask Hansi Cronier about, uh, you know, what to do there. (laughs) You telling me, man. (laughs) Hansi Cronier? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. He was the one who, who, who crafted a result out of nothing after four days of rain, but uh, turned out to be, uh, he had his uh, he had someone in his pocket, old Hardsy there, so, uh, yeah. What, Mother Nature? No, he had a bookie in his pocket. And, uh, yeah. Because uh, they didn't well, want, Jamie they w- Skirt McDirt, I've heard it all. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, they, the bookies, the bookies just wanted a result. They didn't want like a, 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 a you know, no result of a test match. So Hansy got creative and uh, got a result and the bookies won but then uh, it all came crumbling down for uh, Hansi this is that. a story for a different podcast I'm hey, actually intrigued to hear this one it's on, it's Netflix. on Netflix it's called uh, there's a whole series on like 
cheaters and things that have gone wrong in yeah. sport. I can't remember what's called. I saw the Hansi Cronier doc. Bad sport. That's what it is <laughs> nice. called. Thanks, uh, oh, right. Oyo. Uh, yeah, the one on Hansi. Hansi was an incredible, inspirational figure in uh, South Africa, but he was on the take. So, uh, yeah, it's bad. I'm- uh, I still don't really understand the story and what that had to do with the weather, but uh, I'm going to check this <laughs> well, out. Well, because the game, the, the match was washed out, I think, for the first four days. Yeah. So they only had one day left. Or maybe it was the three days. I think they played one day and then the three days washed out. And so they needed a result. So Hansi had to uh, create a result out of nothing, which was basically what do you mean impossible. create a result? I don't... Uh, okay, here we go. So <laughs> <laughs> in cricket, in cricket, right, you have to defeat your opponent, right? It's not like if you scored more runs than they did at the end of the five days that you automatically win. You have to score more runs and then you have to actually like defeat your opponent and, what and, is that what is that a kill like a, like a well, you have, no but you have to you have to get all their batters out in the second innings to win right okay. because if they survive and make less runs than you then it's a no result it's a draw okay right so you have to either defeat your opponent outright now when there was so much rain they weren't able to get the both innings in you get two innings per team in a five-day test match so what they did was they basically said, let's just declare, which means let's just throw an innings away okay. and have it so that the final innings here, England were chasing a certain score. They had to get that um, uh, they had to get that result. They had to achieve that amount of runs before the South Africans bowled them out. And mm-hmm. England, I, I, I can't. Oh, so what you're what saying it was a, a classic Hansi scheme. Yeah, <laughs> that's From right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cricket, right. cricket's very, very weird when you do try to describe it to someone. It makes perfect sense to if you grow up with it, but uh, it's not like uh, you know, like I say. But there's no running out the clock in cricket. You've got to, you've got to actually. You got to get the, the three match. outs in the bottom of the ninth for the game to be over. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and if you hang on to those outs in baseball, let's just say that would be a draw. That's what it's like in cricket. So you have to defeat your opponent. Mm. <laughs> just like we well, finally defeated yes. this podcast yeah. yeah that's my fault that one's on me i take full responsibility yeah. for that one uh, um, i guess they have rainouts in baseball to finish it off is that where the name the ashes came from where it was raining a lot and it just put out the cricket fire and well, then they had ashes, see, no, the ashes. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey clipper bros where are you at you heard it here first have a great time turn up love you guys awesome Oh, thanks for joining us. And remember, I think Charles Barkley nailed it. He nailed it with the naming of his daughter, Christiana, because it's a unique name. There isn't another Christiana out there. You would think, Christina, Christian, that there would be a Christiana. No. If you Google Christiana, there are two names that come up. Christiana Barkley and Christiana, you guys know? The mall? Mont. No, well, no, as a name. Oh. Christiana, it's a mall in Delaware, it is true. Montoya. You guys don't know the eight-year-old actress, Christiana Montoya? I guess you don't. Uh, but he, I always thought it was Christiana Milan, because Christina Milian's got that extra I in her last name, but I thought it was in her first name, but it's in her last name. So uh, Christiana Montoya, Christiana Barkley, and uh, that's cool, that's great. Christiana Montoya is American actress. She's in The Guilty? You guys watch The Guilty? No. No. A Place in the Field? No. Never heard of it. A Dangerous Defense? Wait, I saw The Guilty. She must have yeah. been a voice actor then. Oh, okay. I don't know. If it's animated, sure. He yeah, should have really just stopped. Barkley should have stopped at... He shouldn't have named his daughter's middle name Maul. That no. was his mistake, right? 
embrace the yeah. day, people. <laughs> you could stay ooh, every day, and I'd be happy every minute. It's been so long, but you're the one I've waited for. It's happened already. It's gonna be groovy. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.